We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Give me one, Lance. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kush with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Drops it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Out running is Brissette. Pounds it home. It to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. I'm joined today, of course, by everyone's favorite, the one and only Michael J. Focci. Not the lovely one, but uh, we did actually talk about it a little bit, and uh, there might be some... Uh, there might be some uh, history here with Fachi being related to Lucio Ball. There's absolutely no history here. I'm going to nip the rumor right there before this gets How did back you get your red hair then? In a tweet. I really, to tell you the truth, don't know. My brother and I look honestly like twins, but we, my parents, neither of them had red hair. So, you know what? Hey, I, I, I'm, just, uh, I'm just unique. But yeah. you know what? Man, Alex, we got some news to cover because yeah. our very own Chris Duarte got some recognition, and it was deservingly so. Tell the people what happened to Chris Duarte. Yes, yeah, sir. Chris Duarte was named to the all-rookie second team. I think he was the last person to make it, and we talked about it. We felt like there was a good chance he would not make it because he started off so hot and then kind of tailed off at the end of the season, got injured, didn't play a whole lot. But I think the voters realized – this dude is a baller. And when he was healthy, not only was he good offensively, but he was good on the defensive side of the ball as well. So yeah, 24 years old. I get it. We can make the old jokes all we want, but clearly you could tell he was a rookie. He had rookie slumps. He went through some major injuries that really kind of impacted his game and he played through them. 
I was just impressed, Fachi, overall with the uh, with the play of Chris Duarte this year, and I'm really glad he was honored by making the All Rookie Second Team. I'm I'm happy that he was honored too because I feel like, and I really I really do felt like the games missed by Duarte was going to be what kept him off that list. And I'm happy that was not the case because when he did play, especially early on in the season, he was flat out producing. I mean, you guys got to remember through about the first month or so of the season, Duarte was arguably the rookie of the year, let alone top three. I remember when it was Duarte, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes. They, they were, <laughs> they were in the, I remember that. And, oh, I'm telling you, I felt good about it. I was like, Please tell me we got the rookie of the year at 13. But look, that first team, studs. Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, uh, Franz, Franz Wagner. So Jalen Green should not be on the first yes, team. Jalen Green did not. Look, efficiency-wise, all of that, it was disgusting. The Rockets were horrible, all that. But those guys, those were those were the top picks in the draft. right? Yeah, Josh so, Giddy, I think, should have made it over Jalen Green in my personal Giddy, opinion. They slept on Giddy, and I, I, I'm with you on that, that Giddy was putting up the triple doubles. He was doing things like really, like, honestly amazing. Uh, Jalen Green had some rough games. He finished the season better, but the start yeah. of the season was really tough for him. Duarte on the second team, I'm not going to argue with it one bit. I felt like mm -hmm. he's deserving of second team. The guys that were on the first team, I felt like were, you know, they were obviously picked ahead of him, but were also you know, some of the best players in the draft. So I'm really happy for Duarte. I think if he played more games, he would have still been there. But also it would have been a shame if he didn't make all NBA, all rookie second team, just because of the games missed. Yeah, no, and it's interesting. I don't know how they, the, I don't know how the voters like go into picking their their players for the rookie because um, rookie teams here because like it's hard to say like well they're on a tanking team, their stats are loaded because that's kind of how I feel about Jalen Green. Like obviously towards the end of the season, the Rockets are trying to lose. They're trying to let him get as many reps as possible. He had some really flashy games, but at the end of the day, I mean that Rockets team was running gun all the time. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. still thinks he's the best player on that team. It's just yes, kind of hilarious. Does. So, you know, it's uh, it's just interesting. So, but anyway, I want to give him congratulations. And I also just wanted to say, what is up with this lying that you're doing on Twitter talking about you had Roy Hibberts blocking your favorite player of all time, Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony, uh, as your backdrop for like ever on your phone before you got a girlfriend? Like, what is up with this? Like, there this feels is like such cat, bro. No way I will ever back down from this statement. That photo was the background on my phone for about four to five years until I got pressure from an ex girlfriend to say, Why am I? Why is a picture of us not the background on your phone? And I remember being like, this was a moment, you know? And it's like, well, what about our moments? It's like, this was a moment. This was Hibbert meeting Mello at the rim. Game six, that block. I'll never forget it. I'll never back down. And the person that I tagged in that tweet that can verify it is a Nick fan. And that's the reason why he didn't respond to that tweet, to have my back. <laughs> yeah, okay. What was the at for your, um, for your friend there on uh, Twitter? Art Vandalade, big Seinfeld fan. Yeah, come on. Art Vandalade's not even real. Yeah, oh my, okay. We're not going to get caught up in this. He's a big Seinfeld fan. That's yeah. my college roommate. Huge <laughs> Nick fan. So yeah, he okay. knew he was not going to back me up in any way just to, you know, show. No, it's true because he knows that moment stings him. And I uh, love that moment. 
All right, Fachi. Well, we'll uh, we'll just have to let that one go because I uh, I know I'm not going to back you out of that corner. But mm-hmm. I think that uh, I definitely think that uh, there's some cap going on here. But that no being cap. said, but that being said, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back from the Athletic, Bob Kravitz. He had a great article on the Athletic, obviously talking about the Pacers, Kevin Pritchard's press conference. We're going to get his thoughts on that, kind of get a feel for what he thinks the Pacers might do in the offseason as now. We're getting closer to the draft, and this is when uh, talks start ramping up. He's going to talk about some of the players that he thinks the Pacers could draft. But, uh, yeah, some really interesting stuff from Bob Kravitz. So, Fachi, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, everybody. Joining us now on Setting the Pace. You guys know him. He used to write for the Indy Star. Now he writes for The Athletic. The one and only Bob Kravitz. Bob, how's it going, man? It's going well, gentlemen. All right. So let's jump right into it. Uh, I want to just kind of get your overall thoughts and impressions from Kevin Pritchard's press conference after the draft lottery. Obviously, Pacers falling back to six, but, you know, not the worst case scenario, but obviously not the best case scenario. What did you take away from Pritchard in his press conference? I thought it was uh, a call to arms is what it was. It was like, you know, we're going to find our one or two people out there, whether it's, you know, through the draft or an established NBA player, and we're going to do whatever it takes uh, to get those people the way, the way Pritchard did uh, back in, I think it was 2006 with the Portland Trailblazers. He made six draft day trades that day. And walked away with uh, Brandon Roy and Lamar and uh, Aldridge, so I, I thought it was, you know, him talking a good game. He's got to he's got to follow it up and do something now. But uh, I thought he made it very clear that given the uh, Pacers, uh, what was the word he used? Optionality. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, there's a lot of things that they they can do and hope to do uh, here in the next uh, month or so. Definitely, you know, a lot of options over here. Optionality, great word. I felt like the key word from his press conference was aggressive. He kept throwing that around. The Pacers, you know, they have cap room to work with. They have the sixth overall pick. They have the 31st. They have the 58th. They have Cleveland's pick next year. At this point, would you be shocked if the Pacers didn't make a move and weren't aggressive in the draft? Yeah, I'd be shocked. And, and very uh, disappointed if I were, you know, just a fan, um, I would be very disappointed, especially after the call to arms um, the other night uh, after the lottery. I think uh, he has uh, sent a message uh, out. You, you got to understand that um, 
Pritchard for years has wanted to rebuild. He's wanted to rebuild. He, he's gone to Herb Simon and said, look, you know, we really need to kind of start over here. And Herb Simon has just been very hesitant to go in that route, go that route. And I give him some credit. I mean, the Pacers have been to the conference finals, what, eight times in the last 28 years. So they have had success. They have been able to build on the run. But I think it, uh, this is something that Kevin Pritchard has wanted to do for a very long time. And now he's getting that opportunity. I wanted to bring up something that was highlighted on Twitter in, in your article, and it talked about the Pacers loving uh, Keegan Murray, Shaden Sharp. They're intrigued by him, and then of course Benedict Matherin. Um, have you been Have you been able to talk with any of the front office about those players, and maybe give us some insight on what they think about them outside of the article that you put out? Well, I could lie to you, but uh, the truth <laughs> of the matter is, there's only one guy I've, I've really talked to at all who um, you know we were talking about. I said, "Geez, you know." If I'm picking six, who do I take if, you know, these guys are gone? And the name that was mentioned to me was Shaden Sharp. Now, uh, and I would suggest you go to The Athletic. I just read this like five minutes ago. Uh, Kyle Tucker, who's a tremendous writer for us at The Athletic, wrote a whole piece about how Shaden Sharp really screwed over the University of Kentucky and how he played them. And, you know... He may have all the talent in the world, but I'll tell you what, there are things that you read this story and you think this guy either just doesn't get it or he's not surrounded by people who have his best interest at heart. So, you know, uh, read, read that, subscribe, of course. And uh, um, I think you get a better idea of that whole, how that whole relationship went down. Uh, can he play? I'd be lying to you if I said I knew. I mean, he was, uh, you know, uh, a schoolboy, you know, stud, but, you know, you know, high school and all, but he never played at, uh, at Kentucky. So we really have no idea. Yeah, we really don't. I, I've, I've used the term mystery box for him countless times right. because he could be anything. He could be a star. He could end up being someone who's not ready yet. And it could take a, be a more of a project. We really don't know. But a lot of people are intrigued by his potential. However, the Pacers are now sitting at the sixth overall pick. A year ago, a couple of years ago, every single fan would be thrilled to be picking six. This year, we slid down a little bit. It was, it was tough. But overall, I mean, how would you rank this pick in terms of most important picks for the Pacers, at least over the last few decades? Well, I think this is the most important offseason the Pacers have had in a very long time. Um, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, the year after they won the or after they got to the NBA finals, that was obviously a huge offseason where they had to sort of rebuild when Mark Jackson left and there were some other some other retirements and things like that. But, uh, you know, at least in the modern history of the Pacers, not not to engage in recency bias, but uh, this is at least since I've been here, most important offseason they've had in terms of setting the direction uh, of the franchise uh, for the, for, you know, you hope for the, for the future, maybe just the near future, because uh, things don't seem to stay very static around here for very long. So yeah, this is a, this is a monstrous off season. They've got to get it right. And I think it's important for Kevin Pritchard to get it right specifically because um, you know, you don't get these kinds of opportunities very often. 
Yeah, and that's that's the key thing here. And I, I want to go back to something you said a little bit ago. You said that Kevin Pritchard has won at the tank for years, but Herb Simon was not on board. Obviously, we know last year only winning 25 games. They were clearly tanking the second part of the season. Um, is that potentially the, the situation they could head into next season as well as continue to try to develop but also take the losses to be back in the lottery next year? Or do you think they're actually going to try and get talent with the cap space they have and with the assets they have to try and at least compete and potentially make the playoffs? Well, I, this will not be the process. This will not be um, Oklahoma City with 17 picks in the Latin next five years. Um, you know, it's been the history of the Pacers um, that they rebuild, rebuild on the run, uh, that they don't drop to the bottom for very long. And, you know, look, I mean, Kevin Pritchard, you know, I look, I don't think he's in any sort of trouble, but he, um, you know, he, I don't think he can survive three really horrible years. Mm -hmm. So look, I, I think that, um, they're going to try to do it as quickly as possible. Um, but I think they understand that this is probably a two to three year process before they get the team back to where they want to be. You look back to the Portland teams, um, uh, during the Pritchard era, they were terrible. Uh, you remember the jailblazers, uh, you know, guys constantly getting into, you know, problems off the court, but, uh, you know, they won 32, then they won 41, then they won 50, then they won 54. So, you know, I think Pritchard understands it takes time and especially in this market where you're not going to get that um, marquee free agent who's going to come in and really change things around. You know, sometimes we look too far into things that are said or maybe sometimes there's like a trail of crumbs. But one thing that Pritchard said was they could create more cap space potentially. Now, when you look at players that could you know, potentially do that for the Pacers, Malcolm Brogdon is a name that comes up as we're heading into this offseason. Three years, $67 million left on his deal and an injury history that doesn't make you feel quite good about you know, him writing that. So do you think Brogdon really returns as a Pacer or is he maybe the first guy on the list that the Patriots could look to unload to create more cap space? There's no doubt in my mind they're going to look to move Brogdon. Um, look, some guys just, you know, uh, I'm not questioning the guy being hurt. But, you know, there are some guys who go at 80% and there are some guys who just won't. And it's been one, you know, minor thing after another. I'm, I'm sure it's his body, so it probably seems more major. But... Um, look, you, you can't, and he's a leader, but you can't lead from the training room guys. I mean, he played what 36 games last year, 50, 50, some odd the year before 50, some odd the year before that. I mean, you just can't move forward with a guy you can't count on. And, and that's, that's Malcolm Brogdon. I think, yeah, uh, whatever they can get for him, whatever kind of asset, that's great. I realized he was the rookie of the year a couple of years ago. Uh, as a second round draft pick, which is pretty remarkable, really, if you think about it. But he just doesn't stay healthy. And I, I see no reason to expect that that's going to change in the near future. Yeah, and speaking of guys that you can't rely on, I mean, Miles Turner the last couple of years has really dealt with some injuries to his feet that have not been good. Obviously, he's entering a contract year. We know that there's potential that he could be moved. There's potential he could sign an extension, stay with the Pacers because – he's still young enough to fit the age group of this team that's trying to rebuild. But at, at the end of the day, what do you think the Pacers 
do with Miles Turner, um, especially in this offseason? And this is a tough one because I, I'm getting 50-50 vibes yeah. from, from, from the Pacers. Uh, I, I think they want to give him a chance to be the five and see uh, if he can't somehow grow his game. I don't know after all the years he's played in the league, I don't know how much better he's going to get uh, you know, or how much um, he's going to grow his game necessarily. But I know he's excited about being the, the five. Um, I think they're intrigued. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with him. One day, I think he's he's a goner, uh, you know, with, with his contract situation. And uh, the next day, I think they might give it a roll, a run. So uh, that's a really crappy answer to your question. <laughs> hey, the Pacer-Turner relationship, it's been going up and down in terms of trade rumors for years now. So right. I don't blame you one bit. But, you know, while it's a huge deal for Pacer fans, everyone following the team, that, hey, Tyrese Halliburton, he's a Pacer right now. Well, we're all so excited. But does that – have we gotten to the point where that can have an impact on prospects and free agents compared no. to years past? No, no. I mean, look, he's a good player. I mean, he's a very good player. I, I think he's got a chance to be uh, a, an all-star on a semi-regular basis. I think he's going to be the face of the franchise um for you know a couple of years to come although you know having lived through Paul George and Victor Oladipo you never know how long anybody is going to want to stay but I don't think that there are free agents around the league who are saying god would I love to play for Tyre play with Tyrese Halliburton I mean <laughs> he's a nice player but let's let's not let's not get out over our skis here I hope yeah. we get there one day though I know I don't think we're there yet but I hope a year or two from now, he can start to make that type of impact. Maybe, maybe. I, I look. I I love the guy. I think he's a terrific player. I love the stuff that he's doing. Uh, jumping into the community, yeah. doing stuff. Love with it. Five hundred. Um, but uh, yeah, not yet. And, and look, you know, free agency. Unless you've got, unless you've got Giannis, you're not going to get guys to come to small markets or LeBron, for example, in Cleveland when he was in Cleveland. Guys are not going to want to come here, uh, generally speaking, unless there is a superstar they can play with. And Halliburton's a good player, but he's not a superstar just yet. Yeah, not yet, but we're not going to count that out. I'm just kidding. But um, okay. <laughs> I, I think he's going to be a really good player for this team, though. So um, my last question for you, you, you talked about Shaden Sharp and, and how that whole situation with Kentucky didn't play over well. The Pacers, obviously – have to get to the bottom of this. I know Kevin Pritchard really hit on interviewing these guys, spending a day with them, having them watch film, do all that kind of stuff. In your heart of hearts, give me give me one or two guys you think would love to actually be here in Indiana um, come draft night. I think Keegan Murray would be perfect. I, I really do. I think he's the guy. He may not have the highest ceiling, but he is just a solid shooter. Mm -hmm. And – uh, I, I, you know, he's a Midwest. I don't know where he's from, honestly. I think he's an Iowa kid. I know he went to the University of Iowa, obviously. Um, you know, but a Midwestern background. I think he'd fit perfectly in Indiana. You know, it's funny. People ask me about Jaden Ivey. And I remember talking to George Hill one time about coming back to Indiana. And it was, you know, you think it's going to be so great to come home. But you know what? A lot of people 
uh, a lot of people are in your pocket when you come home. Yeah. You know, a lot of people want something from you when you're home. And I, I think you really enjoyed that about San Antonio. And so, you know, Jade and Ivy, uh, obviously, you know, his mom is up at Notre Dame and whatnot, but would it, would he love to be home? I mean, I can just remember when I was a kid that age and the idea of moving away from home seemed like the coolest option possible, you know, get to move to Denver or whatever city, you know, you, you end up in. So he, it may be a better thing for uh, Jaden to go, go somewhere else. I don't know. I, I've never talked to the, to the young man about that, but um, I just, Keegan Murray, do I think he'll be available at six? No. Um, but, you know, so much will be determined this week, um, you know, with the NBA pre-draft combine and then the private, the, the private interviews and, and, and workouts, it, uh, it's going to be really, it's going to be in flux. Yeah, no, and I, I definitely agree with that. There's, there's some intrigue here from my side on Benedict Matherin as well. I know that some of the Pacers have reportedly already had a meeting with, I believe he actually said that. And I know that they talked with him at the draft lottery night as well. So that's someone I'm keeping an eye on. And I think it was on The Athletic, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. I think Seth Davis wrote an article on the whole Benedict Matherin story. And I don't know if fans have got a, a chance to read that yet. But I, oh, I haven't. So I'll have to do that as soon as we get yeah, off. <laughs> it's an incredible story. Just talking about the tragedy that he went through, losing his brother at a wow. young age, moving into uh, one of his sister's coach's houses at 16, then moving from Quebec wow. all the way to Mexico. I mean, I'm telling you, Bob, it's definitely a very, very interesting story for a young man yeah. that's had to grow up and, uh, you know, really just kind of like make basketball a career for him to kind of escape what he was going through and just kind of stay focused. So um, I can see the Pacers really being intrigued by that. So uh, believe it was Seth Davis on the athletic. I could be wrong. Okay. But, I'll, uh, I'll take a look. Yeah. Uh, I'll take a look and see <laughs> if I can find it. I like, I said, I was reading the um, Kyle Tucker piece mm. uh, with, about shade and sharp. I'll tell you what, you know, they, they, they'll want to get to know these guys as, as best you can get to know them in 24 to 48 hours. But I would think that Matherin, you know, that story as, as you shared it, mm -hmm. um, would be much more interesting, I think, to the Pacers, uh, than, you know, the, all the BS that surrounded Shade and Sharp. Yeah. One, a guy who, you know, is all in a guy who's got a chip, you know, I hate the chip on the shoulder, but a guy who's been through the stuff. Yeah. And it, it sounds like Shade and Sharp's got a real sense of entitlement or at least he's surrounded by the wrong people. Absolutely. Well, that ding was me sending you the text message. Uh, I got it. To I got it. it. So awesome. There you go. Trying to keep it easy for you. But um, with that being said, Bob, thanks so much for coming on and uh, let people know where they can find you at on social media and uh, plug anything that you'd like to plug in terms of your uh, latest articles. Um, well, you know, go to uh, theathletic.com. Um, if you're interested, you can find me on there. Uh, if you're really interested, you could subscribe uh, through my through my story uh, on uh, Twitter. I'm at at B Kravitz and otherwise I cease to exist. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Bob. Always enjoy it. Be well.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joining us now are fans of the week. We don't usually do two fans at once. We've done a husband and wife couple, but now we have a brothers duo. Yeah, we here. are not a husband and wife couple. No, no. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, we got uh, we got Clay and Landry, and you guys have probably heard their names a little bit as they've sent in a lot of questions for our mailbag podcast. But Clay, Landry, how you guys doing? Hey ho, what's up? We're doing good. Yeah, doing amazing. Mm-hmm. Super excited to be on, Alex. Thanks for asking us. Yeah. Um, this yeah. is something that I actually didn't really expect to do because. Um, most of the people that you that you guys have had on, to be honest, um, have been like people who have watched the Pacers for like years and years and like people yeah. that are older than us, which is yeah. really cool. I like listening to like fandoms that started back in the 80s and 90s and stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, th- I think this will be this will be fun. Yeah, I'm pumped. So this is, is going to be awesome. Yeah. So Landry is 16, right? And Clay yes. is 15. Yes, I so, am. So honestly... I was kind of surprised when I found out you guys were Pacer fans, knowing you guys my whole life. Oh, yeah. Uh, knowing you guys are really into sports because these guys are phenomenal musicians and uh, yeah. you guys would be just blown away by some of their talent. But let's talk about these Pacers, obviously. So, who was the first one to become a Pacer fan out of you two? Bro. Uh, it, okay. So, it was, it was almost, it, if I could say it, this, I think it was probably simultaneous. Yeah. Maybe I gained interest a tad I'd bit earlier. So um but because like he's kind of always like been a little bit more like in sports sports. inclined i guess you could say this year's playoffs i've been more in tune with that than clay has yeah Yeah. so he's kind of always had that little bit more of like a a push to kind of you know want to know what sport what's going on in sports Mm -hmm. and stuff so he he probably but we really when we really started like when i started really getting into it he was pretty much getting into it also so i'd say probably short answer is about the same time yeah so what year do you guys remember like watching the Pacers? 17, like, 17, Oladipo. 18, Oladipo. Oladipo. That's, when, that's when it started, oh, man. Yeah. First, his first year here, <laughs> that, that's when it started. And those were the days, bro. Uh-huh. I just remember, okay, I remember watching the 2018 playoffs, 2017. Yeah. No, they were 18, 18 playoffs. 2018 18 playoffs against yep, the Cavs. Yep. We were in Bogota, Colombia, because we have some adopted siblings and yep. we were adopting. Mm-hmm. And so we um, we were in Bogota and we were watching. They had the Spanish broadcast uh-huh. on. And, and we so were we were watching <laughs> We yeah. were watching the the um, playoffs there, and it was really awesome. I was that was that was like a year, kind of a year after our fandom yeah. started. But yeah, I was really, I was really vibing with that playoff series until we lost. But hey, yeah, know. I mean, you take LeBron James to seven games in the first round. I mean, that was pretty impressive, yeah. especially knowing the Pacers had no expectations coming into that season. Absolutely, that 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 was the biggest thing mm-hmm. to me. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and that's what I remember. That is just that was that was amazing. I love it. Yeah, that Oladipo season was just so fun as a Pacers fan I think it's probably been the most fun we've really experienced in the last five years and obviously we're heading in a different direction now uh you guys are faithful listeners of the podcast I know you're faithful watchers of the of the games and I know your your grandpa your papa really enjoys watching the Pacers yeah shout out to Papa Doug he'll probably be listening um he's he's definitely helped uh push our fandom we (laughs) in a good way you know we 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 always love going over and watching (laughs) games at our papa's house that's that's 
that's that's the whole deal. That's what we do. Yeah, and and I know him pretty well, and he, he likes to break down the game and tell you what oh, happened yeah. and very what Very analytical, happen. very smart with the game. Yeah, he's probably boosted my IQ by quite a Honestly. bit. Honestly. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. shout out to Paul. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we got to give a shout out to your sister. Yes. Oh, yeah. Piper. Watches yep. all the games with you. She's 11, yes. 10, 11 years old. 11. Yeah, she right? is a Pacers fan, Man. hardcore. She goes to the games with us. Mm-hmm. Oh, she yeah. watches all the games when she can you know sometimes her bedtime's a little earlier so the later games she can't catch but yeah she 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 loves them so much turner she knows the names of like all the players (laughs) i mean miles turner's her favorite player so shout out to piper also yeah i was gonna say she's a mass she's a massive miles fan that was something that uh i would always tease her about as uh (laughs) everybody knows i'm a domas guy but we're we're past that now um so let me ask you guys this now looking at the team who is your favorite player clay oh man Okay, so of of like just just looking in terms of like uh, an entire bubble of around around the team, like overall as of right now, mm-hmm. probably Lance. Okay, uh, okay. Now I I say that because because he just brings so much energy. I just yeah. I just love his energy. It just hits different all the time, and yeah. so I I love him in terms of his energy. He's pretty inconsistent. You know, he'll have, like, great games. His ceiling's pretty, pretty high. I mean, you know, considerably high. But then his, his you know, his floor is pretty low, and it's kind of annoying. To put it simply, it's road versus home. That's yeah, basically. right. That's, yeah. That's what, even, that's even what we at watch. Home, he kind of struggles. But I will say, I feel like <laughs> if you give Tyrese a couple more seasons, he's, he's going to climb. He's going to, you know, get a little bit past Lance. Um, because yeah. I feel like he has more potential. Obviously. Well, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the, a better player. Yeah, yeah the connection though. I mean, Lance has been a part of the Pacers organization for a while now. Yeah, that's and my third thing. stint, right? Yeah, third stint. Yeah. I mean, it's just rooted. You guys watched him that first year uh, when they took the Cavs to seven games. Oh, obviously, yeah. oh yeah. And Halliburton's kind of a new, right? To an extent, mm-hmm. obviously, just got him in February, so you maybe not have warmed up to him as much, or just haven't got a chance to really fall in love with him as a player yet, but. That'll happen over time because he's got a really fun personality. Yeah. So Landry, yeah. uh, is it is it Lance for you too, or is it somebody so else? I, I actually I will say my favorite player to watch on the Pacers is Lance. Yeah, that's just the way it goes. I feel like I speak for a lot of Pacers fans out there when I say like we all know that he's not the best player. We all get frustrated with him too, like when he's out there. Like, yeah, bro, what are you like? Throws. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> you know, it gets frustrating. It's a love hate relationship with Lance, but I. I'm going to have to definitively say that my my favorite Pacers player right now is Lance Stevenson. That's I fair. feel like Tyrese Halliburton, like Clay kind of said, is definitely has the potential to grow into my favorite player, probably even by next season. Yeah. Okay. I can I can definitely see that. It's it's going to be fun to see Halliburton blossom here as a Pacer, I think, having an offseason yes. here. Can I, can I tease something? I have a hot take about that later. Yeah, let's just get into it. If you have any hot oh, okay. takes, bring them to the table right now. Okay, my hot take right now is that Malcolm Brogdon is a locker room cancer. And if the Pacers do not trade him by this offseason, then Tyrese Halliburton will not have the breakout season this coming season that we are expecting. Papal said, Papal said Brogdon's got to go. So, yes. Okay. Well, if Papal says it, we got to, we got to, got to agree with get rid of him. Um, I think everybody would probably, I don't know if that's super hot Landry. I I think there's a lot of people that feel that same way. You see about Brogdon. I, I feel like, I feel like people, I feel like people, kind of are on a roller coaster with him because like uh it's there's so much to get into but like the 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 
the fact that he's a really good player, right, just makes mm-hmm. you be like, you know, this guy could be helpful. Like he's actually like a, he's like a really good player when he's healthy, but that's the problem. He's never healthy, you know. Yeah. So I to me, I, I a lot of people consider him a leader. I personally don't consider Malcolm Brogdon a leader for a team that wants to go anywhere important. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people echo those same sentiments because it's just three coaches in three years since he's been here. I mean, obviously, there's got to be something that's the commonality, and I think it's just Brogdon uh, maybe having a little bit too much of a voice with the front office. I'm not sure if that's the case or not. but Some players want to be the coach. Yeah, I mean, I just think it appears that – Shout out LeBron. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he wants to be the GM too. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I mean, the thing with Brogdon, it's just, if he stays around, he's going to have to play off ball, which is something he has openly said he does not want to do. Yeah. So is he going That's to cause issues? Point. And I think Scott Agnes brought this up last week when he was on and uh, or a couple of weeks ago when he was on. And I noticed it too. Halliburton deferred quite a bit to Brogdon when they played together in that short couple of games there. And I think part of it is That's- yeah, that's where it ties into my 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 point that that's gonna it, could, so it could really stunt the growth of Halliburton, and we won't. I don't think we'll see a very good season from him. No, not a, a, a we won't see a a breakout season like fringe All Star type of season that we're expecting. Yeah, I mean Halliburton. I think he's going to be who he is, but I think if he's deferring to to Brogdon some, it's not going to help him grow as a player. We're we're pushing him maybe more to take more shots or be more aggressive on that end of the ball. So um, let's see here. Obviously we're recording this on Sunday before the draft lottery. So we will not know where we pick. We're going to air this on Thursday. So when it comes to the draft, obviously we don't know right now when recording this, where we're going to pick, but let's just do both scenarios. Let's say we get a top four pick and then let's say we fall anywhere from five to eight. So if we get a top four pick, I don't know how much you guys have paid attention to the draft. If you've made any attention to the podcast we've done on guys we like, but is there anybody you guys like for the draft? Yeah. Yeah. So, so clay has probably not done as much Mm -mm. diving into that. I have Google right here. Top three picks in the NBA draft, you know, trying to to do some research right now, right on the fly. Okay. So (laughs) there you go. Yeah, Um, You go ahead and you speak. You know what, just based on kind of stats and, um, what, how I've heard people talk about him. Um, I, okay, I feel like Jaden I or yeah, Jaden Ivy is probably a little bit of a uh, shooting for the stars. Just, just like if, if we have a, I hit my cup. cup. Um, so if we sorry. if we have like a a top four, if it's let's say we pick fourth, I my gut feeling says that Jaden Ivy might be gone. That's that's potentially goes in the top three for sure. Yeah. And, and even, even if the Pacers like there's a potential that the Pacers don't even get fourth, like more like fifth, you know? And so, yeah, the odds say they're most likely to finish seventh. Um, Okay. Yeah. So, so like if we're, if we're at seventh, Jaden Ivy is definitely gone. Um, And I think most people would agree with that, but uh, one, the one player. Yeah. The one player I was going with was I, I really do like Jabari Smith. Yeah. Um, the shooting capability. Um, we need some shooting. The, yeah. The Pacers have always really struggled with shooting. Um, you know, obviously we got buddy healed recently, um, in that trade with DeMontis Sabonis. He's, he's definitely our best shooter. Um, which, you know, says a lot, um, about, kind of the Pacers state as far as shooters, you know, Buddy Hill's a really good shooter, mm-hmm. um, but we could use more, you know, it's not like you can just have one good shooter, you know, one great shooter, I should say. And then, you know, 
really be considered a good shooting team. Um, I think Jabari Smith is definitely like a um, a player, or he offers a lot of uh, attributes and capabilities that the Pacers kind of lack. Yeah. Definitely in that shooting aspect. So. Yeah, there, there's a lot of upside there with him. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to listen to all the episodes. We did a draft duels episode um, a couple of weeks ago. Me and Fachi did on Paulo Boncaro from Duke and Jabari Smith. And one of the things I pointed out there is I prefer to watch Jabari Smith on defense more than I prefer to watch his offense. Um, just because I feel like defensively he has the potential to be a lockdown defender. And I'm sure you guys are familiar with Kawhi Leonard as an NBA player. Mike Schmitz from ESPN did mention. Sometimes we forget that he's still in the league. He's been out all year with an injury, so I can understand why. Um, But Jabari Smith, that was somebody that Mike Schmitz from ESPN, who does all their main draft coverage, him and Jonathan Gavoni, they're the two head guys there for the draft coverage, and they do a great job. But Schmitz even said that he sees some potential in Jabari Smith where he could be a Kawhi Leonard type of player. So yeah. that definitely is enticing to me. I'm yeah. Apollo Boncaro. Off- offers a lot of length. And um, and it feels kind of in that power forward spot that we're kind of lacking. That's so. what we desperately need. And that's why I think yes. if we fall anywhere from, you know, five to eight, it, it, it feels like Keegan Murray from Iowa is the guy that people are kind of penciling in there for the Pacers to take, which he plays that position. Really good year at Iowa. I believe he was a sophomore this year, 20 years old, lit it up. I mean, just a lights out score. And he won, they won the big 10 championship here at bankers or excuse me, Gamebridge Fieldhouse. They changed it. I always forget. Um, But obviously they got knocked out in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And I feel like it kind of plummeted some of his stock. So uh, we will move off from draft stuff. Um, I guess kind of just to wrap it up here. um, Any final thoughts that you guys have heading into next season? Like what is your excitement level for, what this team is doing right now. Mm. Well, it doesn't take a genius to say that we're absolutely garbage right now. Um, So, (laughs) but I would say, I would say our potential is there. Definitely. Like with a young team, potential is always there. So um, obviously you have, you have a couple veterans, not necessarily veterans. I feel like right now that can lead our team. Um, So that's something I feel like we could invest into. I don't know if next year was, is, I I don't think that next year is really going to be our breakout season. Right. Uh, because I feel like, you know, still getting all these young guys coordinated, getting their feet under underneath them. I do feel like if we can strike it rich in the draft, we could really be headed somewhere. So yeah. that, that's important. And then also, um, I think if we are going to have a breakout season ever, um, probably I give it a year, uh, not this year, maybe next year. Yeah. Maybe not this year, not next year, but the year after that. Mm-hmm. It takes time, obviously. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll definitely, we'll definitely be competitive. We'll be competitive in a couple of years. We're coming yeah. Yeah. coming up. Yeah. I would say, I'd say my excitement level, um, probably I, I'm going to be honest. I was pretty excited about last, like at the beginning of last season, because we just got Chris Duarte, which I was pretty livid about and really good player. Um, I can't believe I'm you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, they ran it back one last time and we were just kind of holding out that hope. And I mm-hmm. think we were really like, Oh, this is the last dance. Like, you know, the, yeah. <laughs> the last dance of the Pacers franchise. But um, I, I would say, I would say my excitement level for this year, probably in terms of a fan watching games. And I always root for the team to win, regardless of, you know, if it's even in the team's best interest to lose, I'm still always going to root for the Pacers to win. Um, Cause I just, 
I can't I can't root against it's them. weird to root for losses right yes, yeah. it really is and so like so it. with that in mind I really don't think that I'm super excited about about like where the Pacers are gonna end up going just in terms of next season's on-court success yeah I think no. they're gonna be I think they're going to be a fun team. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Yeah. I think they're going to be a fun team to watch because they're young and they're really starting to attain more athleticism. Um, yeah. But um, I, re- I really think that that next season will probably be kind of more of a – I think it'll be better than, than this past year. I don't think it'll be quite that bad. I think what, I, the, Pacers, the Pacers don't intentionally tank. Right. Yeah, I think next year, even if they have a, another rough season in terms of wins and losses – you're going to be more invested just because you at least have an idea of what direction they're heading and you don't have to wonder, Oh, is this core player going to be traded? Because if you think about it, the projected starting five, Brogdon, Lavert, Warren, Sabonis, Turner, they already traded. <laughs> There's not one that's safe there. Well, they already traded Lavert and Sabonis. So you already right, have two yeah. gone. TJ Warren's a free agent. You don't know if he's going to be back. It feels like Brogdon's going to be traded. Yeah. So now maybe Turner's the only one that survives at this point. So now you're just thinking, okay, at least we have an idea. We got Halliburton. We've got a guy in uh, Chris Duarte. We just drafted Isaiah Jackson as well. And whoever we draft this year as well could be uh, a big part of our core. And hopefully, obviously, they will be this year because of how high the pick is. So I think in the best interest for the Pacers, it wouldn't be the worst idea to have another losing season to get another high draft pick to continue. Definitely. To I, I totally agree with that. Agreed. Best interest. Definitely. Yeah. Though. But you, especially, I, you'll be rooting more yeah. to see their growth as players on the court than you will be wins and losses. And that's how you can kind of, that's, that's a yeah. good point. That's yeah, a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Especially since I don't think uh, our team is really drawing any high caliber players right now. Nobody's really like, Oh, let me go to Indiana. So yeah, I feel like we maybe got to get a little bit Gordon Hayward, baby. No, I'm just kidding, <laughs> bro. <laughs> All okay. right, everybody. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Yeah. So, all right, everybody. Well, this is Clay and Landry. We want to thank them so much for coming on, being our fans of the week, and uh, really cool guys. So, uh, thank you guys so much for coming on, and uh, we'll have to do it again soon when Fachi can be here, mm-hmm. so you guys yeah. can meet your. Uh, your Fachi, I feel like I already know you, bro. I, I I listen to you so much. Fachi's my man. Yeah, look, I look forward to it. They like you over me, Fachi. That's just the bottom line. You, uh, Uh-oh. You're the you're the funnier one of the two. But anyway, with that being said, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, well, well Fachi was out of town. We uh, I did that Fan of the Week segment on Sunday. So obviously, you know, we talked a little bit about the draft lottery, but it was mostly like, who do you want the Pacers to draft, depending didn't really matter where they pick, but just wherever. So anyway, Fachi, glad you're back, man. It's been a lot of fun this week watching the draft lottery with you. But um, any final thoughts before we kind of close up this week and start looking into like some other stuff coming up next week? I'm excited because there's a major mystery. It's not like, oh, yeah, we know the Pacers are going to pick this guy. It's like, no, we need to see, A, who's going to fall, who's coming in for workouts because the, the Pacers Pritchard was very adamant. We need to get this guy in. We want to know that he wants to be here. So I don't think that we're going to end up drafting someone that the Pacers did not work out. 
So mm-hmm. it's it just, it's a fun time. The draft is basically, you know, it's about what, five weeks away. So it's coming up. So then we're going to just be going off of little bits of information here and there to try and sell ourselves on who could potentially be the next franchise guy. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. And I, and I think we should go ahead and tease this a little bit, but next week, I believe on Monday, we have a podcast scheduled to do a full entire breakdown on different scenarios that could land us getting DeAndre Ayton, you know, the hiccups that might be there, why the Pacers could or could not do it, why the Suns might match a Pacers offer. I mean, I think there's a lot of different things to look at here. So Evan Sidery from Basketball News, I believe he's the host of Locked On Colts. I'm not sure, but um, I believe he is. But um, from Indiana, moved to Arizona, still pays very close attention to what's going on here in Indiana. So he... Uh, he reached out. We're going to have him on, and we're going to talk DeAndre Ayton to the Pacers. So whether you're a fan or not, I think you guys are going to enjoy that conversation. But Fachi, where can people find us out on social media? All right, so you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. Find Alex on Twitter at AlexColdNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook at SettingThePace. You can find us on TikTok at SettingThePace. And if you're counting down the days till Malcolm Brogdon is finally traded from the Pacers, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Peace out, Pacer Nation.